thank you, Jesus. Praise team, thank you. Young people, children, thank you so much for leading us today, for directing uh, our attention toward the dance of David. Amen? I mean, worship isn't always pretty. Come on. You know, I was a, a youth pastor in Ohio, and, and the, one of the young people, she come from a really rough background. Her name was Karen. What a, a jewel, a thorn in the flesh. What an aggravation. And, and all of all those adjectives, she drove me crazy. But one thing I so valued is that she was real. And, and, when, and when God touched her, it, it sometimes looked ugly because of her background. You know what I'm saying? And, and she would call the, the, the senior pastor, she would call him dignified and respected. And I always took offense to that for a little while. Jamie, I mean, I'm thinking, well, what about me? I'm like, you know, he's all got his hair all slicked, and he's looking all fine and dandy every Sunday, and she called him. She'd walk, he'd walk in, she said, they're dignified and respected. And, 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 it, and it bothered me for a while. I'm like, well, why don't she say a good adjective about me? But then one prayer night, as God was moving, I got a little undignified in my praise. And I realized that her dignified and respected was really not a compliment to him. It was a compliment to me. Because she's saying, you're willing to get ugly with me. You're willing to worship God with me. You're willing to dance with me. You're willing to get into the mess. You recognize who I am, and you're willing to worship with me. Come on, somebody. I don't know what your background is. You might have grown up in a church of God, a prophecy, a church of God, or Pentecostal holiness, or you know, one of the other assembly of God, or however that looks for you, you know, Pentecostal. You might have grown up in a Methodist church, or a Baptist church, or Presbyterian church, or Catholic church. But you know, there's some differences in the background, right? I remember when I met my wife, and uh, she was this very calm, collective, Baptist girl. And so we had some discussions about what, what it looked like. I mean, she, she had met a friend in high school, uh, Christy Dose, who, who is you know, a wonderful young lady, and she invited her to go to church with her at this charismatic church. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Charismatic? Yeah. And Kim says she went. She was like, yeah, I'll go. So she went with her friend and and all of a sudden, the pastor said, well, let us pray. Well, you know, in, in, in her background, when the pastor said, let us pray, it meant he bows down. Everybody else listens, right? And she says she bowed down, and everybody started praying. She, she's like, how rude. I mean, these people are so disrespectful. They're not even listening to the preacher. They're just talking over him. Come on. I had a friend of mine who grew up in a non-Pentecostal environment, and he said that he got invited, like my wife, to uh, that environment. And he said that, you know, at first he was kind of overwhelmed by that, overwhelmed by the exuberance or the freedom. Matter of fact, he, he, he really struggled because he's like, well, the, can't these people understand they're being distracted? You know, of course, he went to one of them real charismatic, you know what I'm saying, where the, you know, had the dance team and had the, you know, the ladies with the ribbons in their hair and they're up here, they're all dancing, you know. And he says, I just, he said, I just couldn't grasp how it was working. He said, but something there kept drawing me back. He said, so I kept going back and, and after a while, you know, he said, I would start clapping my hands, you know. After a while, you know, I got a little dance in my feet and I started jumping a little bit. He said, and, and one day, it really just hit me. He says, it was as if I saw an open heaven. And I saw the glory of God. And everything else 
is like a father. He said, I began to just worship God. He says, and when I really came to myself, it was me dancing up front. It was me shouting up front. It was me crying out and shouting to God. Look, when you get into a true presence of the Lord, nothing else matters. Amen? It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. It doesn't matter will my makeup get mad. It doesn't matter. Come on. Because when you get into the presence of God, all that matters is, is He's paying attention. That His eyes are on you and that, that He loves you and He's passionate about you and He wants to touch your life. He wants you to be a part of His plan. He wants you to give Him glory. Amen? Y'all with me this morning? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I, I, all I want to know is that if I could just get a glimpse of heaven, I mean, that's what worship is about, right? Worship is not about us singing the right songs. Worship's not about did the drummer get on beat, which thank you, God, for a good drummer. It's not about did someone get off key or not on key. Look, what worship is about is those folks are here to worship God. Amen? And, and as they worship God, and they come into the presence of God, we see that and we want to go with them. Amen? That's what worship leading is about. Come on. And so my desire, look, I know I get a little crazy up here. I, I dance a little bit. I might even go, if somebody's going to wave a banner, I'll go wave a banner. I don't care. But I want to know that I'm worshiping him with my whole heart. Right? Mind, body, and soul. Everything. Worship him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's what I want to do. And I believe that. When we look at what the children did before, they gave us a demonstration out of 2 Samuel chapter 6 of what David did dancing before the Lord. See, I don't know about you, but you can't keep God quiet. How many of you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Right? If you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit indwells you, right? And if you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, look, the Holy Spirit cannot be contained in a box. Come on. He doesn't want to be just contained in your little shelter. He doesn't want to be contained in, in, in what you make of him. He wants to influence you. He wants to fill you. He wants to direct you. He wants to lead you. Amen? And so if we allow him in, it's kind of like Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 29. He said, I tried not to talk about him, but it was like a fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back. I don't know about you, but God's been so good to me. I've got to tell somebody. I've got to lift his name up. I've got to worship him. And when I begin to worship God, everything else goes away. I'm not worried about what everybody else thinks. I just want to give God praise. Amen. Amen? Y'all getting that? That's what I'm talking about. Amen. Out of the mouth of babes, God perfects praise. Amen? So I love it. Young people, children, don't stop. Don't get so mature. Don't get so dignified that you can't get undignified <laughs> don't get so caught up in what everybody else thinks that you can't follow God into the presence of the holy of holies amen don't get so wrapped up in this is how I think it should be because it just might be that when you get wrapped up in what you think it might should be well this is how I experienced God in 19 look let me tell you something God just might show up in a new fashion, in a new way. Come on. God just might do something new in you, and you've got to be ready. Are you willing to say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I'm willing to follow you however it looks, God, because it's not about me. It's about you, Lord Jesus. Amen? When we get into that presence, everything else just seems to go away. 
don't know about you, how many have ever been in such a fog of the presence of God that just like everything just, I mean, such a kabod of his presence, a heaviness and weight of the presence of God that's so thick that you just, you just can't do anything else. I mean, that's what I want our young people, that's what I want our children, that's what I want every one of us to experience. Some of you have experienced that. Some of you have been in such a deep presence of God that you just couldn't move. I remember as a teenager, worshiping God and, 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 and experiencing one of those moments where, the, where it was so heavy that after an hour and a half of just weeping and laughing and, and worship, that it was so heavy I couldn't hardly get up. And I had to have somebody come alongside of me and say, come on, help. Look, I'm talking about a nice, young, physical soccer player, you know, a lot of energy and strength. Couldn't even get up because the presence was so thick and real. I don't know about you, but that's what I long for. That's what I'm looking for. Look, I, I'm thankful that we're the district church. I'm thankful that we have a nice facility. I'm thankful that we have heat and air and sometimes too much heat. Y'all know what I'm talking about right now. Come on. I'm thankful we got nice, pretty chairs and nice, you know, parking lots and signs. But look, I want a sign from God. I want a power of God. I want a presence of God that when people come by, they say, something just drawn me to the, to the entrance of this place. There was something about that place that just, just made me have to turn in. I heard about it. I see it. I've experienced I want people to know that this is a house where the presence of God has first priority, that no matter our agendas, that no matter what everybody else is thinking, no matter how many songs we plan, if God moves, He's first. He's the priority. He's what we want. There's nothing else because when God speaks, everything else falls in line. That's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Come on. And his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Somebody needs to begin seeking his face. Amen. Because when you seek God's face, young people say, well, I'm not old enough. Let me tell you something. How old are you, Elijah? 25? Oh, 11. Because when I was 11, come on, look at this. He's in his Holy Ghost preaching uniform today. Look at this guy, man. Woo! Because, you know, when I was 11 years old, I experienced God in such a powerful way that an 11-year-old guy was worshiping. I was your age. And I was shouting. I was dancing. I remember sitting outside my house praying one day on the trampoline. Come on, come on. How many ever had some trampoline experiences? Right? I was on the trampoline. I was laying on my back and I literally felt the Spirit of God speak to me as if the heavens opened and God spoke to me and says, I am calling you to preach. 11 years old. You might say, well, I'm not old enough. I don't, I don't know if I'm... Can't. Look, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can be 5 or 95. If God wants to use you and you're seeking His face, you can experience the presence and power of God. I've been in children's church services where the Holy Ghost moved and there was children speaking in tongues and worshiping God and dancing before the Lord. I want to see God move. I don't. It doesn't matter what age. Look, maybe you've gotten too stoved up and too old and think you can't move anymore. I'm here to tell you if the power of God is real, the same power of God that moved back then when you were 15, 16, and 25, and 35 is the same power of God that can move when you're 65, 75, 85, 95. God's still God. Amen. He's still God. So the only limitations that, 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 has, that God has is our will and willingness to move in His presence. Preaching, Pastor Paul. Keep on. Amen. Amen. I mean, I get it that sometimes people look at Pentecostal churches and they look, oh my goodness, they're unruly or you know, they're discombobulated or they're confused or they get all these other adjectives of you know out of control and maybe undignified. But guess what? Hallelujah. I'd rather be a little unruly for Jesus than anything else. Amen. 
mean, look, you might have your PhD, your Pentecostal hairdo. I don't know. But somebody got to let down their hair and let God move. Come on. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, look, throughout the years, we've been called all kinds of names. We've been called holy rollers. Some of y'all don't even know what, you know, why they even was. Because in the old Brush Harbor meetings and even in the sawdust floors, people of God experienced the power of God. They would literally roll in the sawdust floors as the presence of God hit them. And they wasn't worried about, is my coat dirty or is my hair right or is my makeup look good or who is so-and-so. And they, I better not embarrass this new visitor here because they, come on. I mean, did we not understand that, that the gifts of the Spirit are a sign for the unbeliever? Because when we recognize that the Spirit of God, when He comes in and He moves and the miraculous takes place, it is then that the unbeliever's eyes are open to see the manifest presence of God and God begins to move and lame begin to walk and dumb begin to speak. It is then that they say, whoa, this has to be real. Whoa, this has to be God. God Almighty's in the house. Amen. Amen. God help us. Come on. I don't care if they call me pew jumper, tongue talker. I don't care if they call me chandelier swinger. It doesn't matter. Come on. I want to worship God. You know, what I find is that, look, it's not that the Spirit of God is not in other churches. Y'all hear what I'm saying? It is just that there is an element of openness to say we are willing to allow God to move. We're willing to say, Lord, however you design and direct this service. We understand that man makes plans, but God is the Lord of them all. We understand that, God, we might have an order and an ordained plan, but ultimately, God, you're the God of it all. And if you choose to sweep in, if you choose to move in and interrupt, how many know that's not interruption? interrupt my plans then God have your way because your your thoughts are higher than my thoughts your ways are bigger than my ways and God I submit to you all in all amen amen thank you Jesus look I mean I didn't even know it was Super Bowl Sunday y'all y'all forgive me I'm so lost in sports right now I don't even know right but you know but you know people People are fanatics for their sports, right? I mean, look, we get our orange overalls on. We even dress our dog like Smokey. We put our checkered orange and white shirts on. We might even put a little face paint on. And we might even do a little wahoo, right? Oh, that's Florida State. We might do a, we might do a little hoot and holler, a little rocky top, right? We get into it. We get excited about it. We sit on. We sit there, and we and, and we sit on our couch on the edge of our seat, and we're like, "Yeah, yeah, come on, that crazy coach. I could have done better than that." Look, we we are like armchair coaches. We get in our minds of all, we all how it should flow, right? But you know, in the scripture, I better get the scripture right. And because in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12, now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Come on. I mean, look. He recognized something. He recognized that where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the presence of God is, there's a blessing. Where the presence of God is, everything begins to, to flow. Everything becomes productive. Everything becomes fruitful where the Spirit of God is allowed to flow, where the presence of God is. And so he wanted that presence to be in his house. Come on. you got to realize he wasn't carrying an old relic. This was not just an old box. Thank you guys for leaving this up here. This isn't just an old box that he, that he brought, right? This wasn't just something that had the Ten Commandments in it. How amazing that is. It wasn't just something that had, you know, Aaron's uh, rod that budded. It wasn't just a box that had a little bit of manna left 
It wasn't just a box. Because according to uh, Exodus chapter 25 and 22, there above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for Israel. It was a promise. It was to say, look, wherever this is, is where I am. Amen? So David understood that. David understood he wanted the presence of God to be with him. It was a big deal. I mean, look. Also, David had tried to do this before. If you go back to the first part of 2 Samuel chapter 6, David had wanted this presence before, but he didn't understand the meaning of the presence of God. He didn't understand how to handle the presence of God. Come on. And, and so when you look at this, it says that they, they brought the presence of God and they brought a new cart. How many know that God has a plan, right? God has a way. And so they brought, and, and in that process of bringing that one of the one of the attendants of the cart reached out because the, the, the animal had stumbled and he reached out to steady the cart. He touched it and he died. What am I saying, Pastor Paul? What are you saying, man? I'm saying, look, we want the presence of God. And the presence of God brings an exuberant praise. But we have to keep our intentions and our focus right. We have to recognize that there's still a reverence of God. There's still a sense of understanding who He is. There's a rightful perspective of the fear of God, recognizing that we're not just handling something that brings us joy and happiness, but there's a purpose and there's a plan. And as we surrender to God's plan, we become thankful for who He is. And as we become thankful for who He is, He begins to put vision and wisdom and direction and leads us. And that is what brings the joy of the Lord in our heart because we find an alignment with God Almighty. Amen. So, I mean, it was so, it was so understood, the gratefulness, and to recognize that just because we want the presence of God means that we have to prepare for the presence of God. There's your key right there. We've got to prepare for the presence of God. We've, we have to align ourselves. Look, as they brought it in, if you look at verse 13 of 2 Samuel chapter 6, we see that every six steps they begin to sacrifice a bull and a calf. Come on, think about that. Why? Because they recognized their unworthiness and they wanted to, they wanted to cleanse themselves. They wanted to purify themselves. They wanted to, to worship and understand this is a process of worship in the presence of God. Amen. All right. So when we think about today, I mean, back then we recognized that, that even as the priest entered into the Holy of Holies where the altar, where the, where the presence of God was, they had to offer a sacrifice, they had to cleanse themselves. But today, guess what? Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, has offered the ultimate sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. We have an open entrance. We have a way into the presence of God. We, we still have to come humbly before Him. We still have to worship His name. The Bible says come with pra praise and thanksgiving. We still have to recognize that He is the one who makes us worthy, not because of what we've done, not because of what we offer, but because of who He is. And when we surrender ourselves to Him, we have an open hand heaven an open door into the presence of God so why is it that so many people stand on the outside and do not enter into the holy of holies I mean think about it God has made a way for us to be in the presence of almighty God to worship him and yet so many stand on the outside. So many look at others. So many are focusing in on what other people are doing. Thinking, boy, they got blessed today. What about you? Look, I don't want a rock crying out for me. Come on. And, 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 and though I love to see other people being blessed, look, I want what God's got for me too, right? It's exciting to see other people shout and dance. It's exciting to see other people getting involved. And you're saying, what about me? The only person that's holding you back from entering into the presence of God is 
God help us? I mean, Jesus made a way for everyone. This is not just for the Israelites. This is for everyone. I mean, when you look into uh, Amos chapter 9, 11 through 13, it says, In that day I will raise up the fallen booth or the tent of a tabernacle of David and the wall and, and, and wall up its breaches. I will also raise up its ruins and rebuild it as the days of old that they may pro- uh, possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations. Come on, say all the nations. All the nations. Oh, come on, somebody. All the nations who are called by my name, declare the Lord, who does this. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes with him who sows seed, when the mountains will drip with sweet wine and all the hills will be dissolved, every obstacle removed. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Think about this, because... In quoting the scripture in Acts chapter 15, as, as Simeon was talking about the Gentiles coming into the church and in their conference together, they, they were talking about what limitations or what things they should put on the Gentiles. And, and this is what he said uh, in verse 15 of Acts chapter 15. He says, with this the word of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after these things I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen and I will rebuild its ruins and, and I will restore it. Verse 17, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who, make, who makes these things known from long ago. Come on. You know, why is it so important to think about the tabernacle of David? I'm so glad, young people, that you focused on the tabernacle of David because it wasn't built uh, as some monstrous uh, tabernacle. It was a tent. Uh, it was just a tent put up where the presence of God. It had an open walls where, where they would come and worship, and David appointed worshipers around the clock. It was not some regimented. It was absolutely a place of 24-hour worship. It was a place of 24-hour presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. And so guess what David did? David got ugly. David danced before the Lord. Verse 14, David danced before the Lord. Now, you know, I don't mean to ruffle feathers. Y'all good? Y'all love me? A lot of, especially in my roots, my raising up, growing up, some of y'all guys... Y'all older than me, y'all know this. You don't dance unless the Spirit of the Lord comes on you. Huh? I mean, even the song that we sing, the Spirit of the Lord is upon my heart, so I will dance like, that's not even scriptural. Because, let me read it to you. And, verse 14, and David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. Let me tell you something. Everyone will dance to something. Come on. It might be the Mount Carmel dance, or it might be the City of David dance. Come on. Because when you look at the Mount Carmel dance, all of the prophets of Baal, they were dancing. They were shouting. They were singing and trying to get their God's attention, even to the point of cutting themselves and all that stuff. The world will dance. Children, young people will dance. But what will they dance to? Come on. I want to know that we have the freedom of God, that in the house of God, that we can dance before the presence of God because God is in the house. Amen. And the Bible says that David danced with all of his might. In other words, he put every bit of energy that he had into his worship to God. He wasn't worried about everybody else. The Bible even goes on and specifies that he was wearing an ephod, right? What's that mean? The Bible, you know, I don't know about you, but how many when you dance you get a little hot, right? I mean, this was King David. He got hot. He was worshiping God. He said, I'm done with this thing. Take that baby off. I don't don't care if I look like a king or what. I'm here to worship God. Amen. He wasn't embarrassed. He wasn't worried about being humiliated. Even though his wife was up in the window saying, Oh my God, I can't believe what my king's doing. Right? 
He wasn't worried about what everybody else was thinking. He wasn't worried about what everybody else was doing. He was worshiping God Almighty. Amen. Mm. I mean, look. Y'all know I like football. I don't get, I, I like college football, right? And, and I get so aggravated and excited about football. I'm going to get into the game. It doesn't take the Spirit of the Lord to come on me to shout. It doesn't take the Spirit of the Lord to come on me when I'm frustrated. What are you doing? Can you not catch the ball? Put glue on his hands and he still can't catch it. Don't you know how to run a route? I could run a route better than that 20 years ago. I mean, we get involved. It's almost as if we're fanatical. And I'm okay. I'm, look, I'm okay with that as long as it doesn't praise Jesus, right? I'm okay with it as long as it doesn't replace Jesus. But what, what is the difference of coming in to worship God and recognize that we're on a team that never loses? Come on. We're on a team that wins the championship year after year after year after year. And at the end of time, it will be the ultimate winner. Everything else looks like they haven't recruited well. It looks like they haven't done well. It looks like this and that's happening. But guess what? I've read the back of the book. The, the game plan says we win. And so when you think about that, what excitement when they talk about the blood of Jesus, it's that blood that was shed on Calvary for you and me that gives me the ability to stand and shout and glorify God. It was that blood shed on Calvary that delivered me from drugs and alcohol. It was that blood of Jesus that delivered me from pornography. It was that blood of Jesus that changed my life. It was that blood of Jesus that when I was sexually abused as a little boy, it didn't cause my mind to go crazy. I'm walking as a saint of God today because of the blood of Jesus. And it excites me. I can't help it. I just love it. And I would rather get more excited about Jesus than anything. Amen. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, look, not everybody's going to understand your praise. Not everybody can handle your praise. Not everybody's going to get it. Michael was up in, the, up in the room looking down saying, what in the world? I, you know, I don't know if she was jealous. I mean, according to, to Song of Solomon, I think it's 8 verse 6, that jealousy is cruel as the grave. Right? Maybe she was jealous. Maybe she said, why ain't I out there? He don't take his robe off from me like that. Maybe, maybe she was bitter. I don't know. Maybe it was pride. Oh, my goodness. He's making us look bad. Hmm? He's making us look bad. I can't believe he's doing that. I don't know. But the Bible says in verse 16 that she despised him in her heart. She despised him. Our worship is not to anybody else. Not everybody's going to get it. Not everybody's going to understand it. I mean, you know, you have to look in the Word. The Bible says, lift up holy hands. Come on. Before the Lord, without wrath or doubt. And the Bible says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I don't know what our Western watered-down churches have brought, bought into, but I'm talking about just because... The, the New Testament doesn't mention it, doesn't mean it didn't happen. The same culture, the same culture of worship 
that was in the Old Testament flow through the New Testament. They still shouted. They still lift up hands. They still did their Jewish customs. It was the same. And so therefore, as we are today, it's still the same. <laughs> Come on. We can still lift up hands. We can just still shout. We can still dance. We can still worship. Amen. We can still play the instruments because God has ordained them. Amen. Amen. I'm clo- I'm, I'm, I better close. You'll be able to get up here. Let me say this way. Worship despised brings barren insides. Worship despised brings barren insides. Verse 20. Yeah, it's all right. Because verse 23 says this. Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Look, worship will produce something. Worship will produce fruitfulness. Worship will produce gifts of light and light. But when we fail to worship God, we dry up. We wither. We get discouraged. We lose sight of who He is. And what we're here for. God created us as vessels to worship Him. God created us with internal instruments to praise His name. The fruit of our lips giving praise to Him. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. I'm so glad He didn't say, sing beautifully. We can make a joyful noise. We can clap the ten-stringed instruments that we have. We can worship. And God's called us to worship. Bitterness brings unproductivity and leads to barrenness. Luke chapter 7. There was a young lady who came in to the Pharisee's house where Jesus was sitting. And when she came in, she came in and knelt at the feet of Jesus. And she began to weep at his feet. And her tears washed his feet. She dried his feet with her hair. The Bible says that she took out a, an alabaster box and broke it and anointed his head. Now, once again, let me tell you something, folks. Not everybody's going to understand your praise. Not everybody's going to understand the cost of your praise. Because not everybody knows the cost of your forgiveness. Come on. Jesus perceiving their thoughts as they sat there and said, if he knew what kind of woman she was, as a prophet, if he knew what kind of woman she was, he wouldn't let her do that. And Jesus looked at them and said, look. He says, if I had two servants who were indebted to me, one, I'm just making the PDV version, okay? One $5 and one $5,000, right? He says, if I forgave them both, which one would be more thankful? Right? See, because why, pastor, are you so excited? (laughs) Because I know what Jesus did for me. Yeah. I know where he brought me from. And I'm thankful. Dude, Amanda, I know. I get it. 
I thought over and over again, if I could crash this car into a tree, I could end it all right now. I got to the lowest place of my life thinking that nobody cares about me. I have, I have messed it up so bad. Nobody trusts me. Nobody loves me. Nobody wants me around. Why am I in this world in the first place? The enemy had deceived my mind so much to say I was lost and undone. I thought if I could just end it, it'd be over with. So the night that I met Jesus and came back to him and recognized that he loved me so much, Bonnie, I remember I remember coming to myself under the pew so now y'all who don't understand Pentecost the word drunk doesn't mean I was drunk on wine as you suppose right but I remember being so drunk in the Holy Ghost so overwhelmed by his presence intoxicated by God if you will so refreshed to think that God would love me and change my life that I look Sally there was nothing else mattered all I wanted to do was serve him all I wanted to do was just honor him because, man, I mean, literally, guys, like that. I went from cussing every breath to not having a tongue to cuss. I went from not one day being drunk or, or under the influence of some kind of drug to just like that. Didn't even have a desire for it. God completely transformed my life. Now, I'm not saying that there weren't other things that God had to teach me about and I had to learn and be set free from. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that that one moment, God showed me that He was bigger than all of my problems. He was bigger than every addiction. He was bigger than all the sin that I had mounted up on myself. And God was able to change my life. That young lady washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. I don't know, man. That took some gall to step into somebody else's house, to step into a Pharisee's house, knowing that she would be judged, knowing that they would look at her as, as immoral, knowing that they would treat her as some kind of second-hand piece of trash. And she says, I don't care what everybody else thinks. <laughs> I don't care what, what the religious, I don't care what the church, I don't care what the world thinks. I have come to bless his name. I've come to recognize that his pardon is greater than their permission. Come on, somebody. I'm not worried about what they say. I'm worried about what he thinks. And when he is and when he is lifted up and glorified because of what I'm doing, then that's all that matters. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus said this. He said, her story will be told over over and over again what's he saying he said what's your story going to say what are they going to talk about you don't despise her because this is what I'm looking for this is what I'm looking for this morning I, I, I don't know man maybe, maybe you feel maybe you have felt hindered Maybe you have felt constrained. Maybe you feel like, I'm scared. I don't know. But this morning, 
If you say, Pastor, I want to be set free. I want to experience the liberty of what worship really is. I want to break every hindrance. I want to break every sin, pride, anxiety, sin, fear. I want it to be gone. I want it to be gone. And whatever that looks like today, I want to bring it to the altar and let go of it. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, would you find a place, if it's over in the far corner, if it's over in that corner, if it's where you are, would you find a place? Would you say today, I want to break every hindrance off of my life. I want to take away everything that's hindering me from entering in to that presence and that worship. I want to, I want to let everything go. I want to be able to dance like David danced. I want to be able to not worry about what everybody else thinks. I want to worship God with my whole heart. I want to give Him glory because I recognize it is because of Him that I have my life and my being. I want to give it to Him. Come on. Come on, don't take, don't take another minute. That's you. Come on. Jesus. 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 Yes, 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 yes. And the good thing is, is the lines will be gone when you get to the restaurant. It'll be all right. Jesus. again he said he said I sense in this church that the smoke right he talked about the smoke he said that there's a fire burning and, and so many times we get we get satisfied with just the smoke because we say presence is there but I don't want to be satisfied with the smoke because when the flame gets so hot, guess what? The smoke goes away. And he said that there's a fire coming. Come on, somebody. There's a fire coming. And the smoke will not be seen because the flame will be so hot. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I want. I want a fire that's so hot that the presence of God is burning away every distraction every fear, every doubt, every worry, every sin. He breaks the back of every lie in the name of Jesus. Let the fire of God fall in this house, Lord. Let the fire of God flow through this house, Lord Jesus. Let your presence permeate this place, Father, in Jesus' name. God, let us be worshipers. 
Let us be a house of prayer. Let us be a people that seek your face. God, break every distraction, Lord. Everything that may hinder my worship, everything that has kept me from entering into the Holy of Holies, today we surrender to you, Lord. Today we loose the bonds of the enemy. Today we take the chains off. Today we cast down every thought and imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And we say, it is your will, God, not my will. It is your plan, not my plan. I don't have a will without your will, God. It is you who empowers me to do the things of God. my heart not just part but all and I ask you Lord direct me lead us into your truth deliver us from all the enemy let your words live in my heart and let your praise come forth out of my mouth Jesus' name, amen. Break every amen. chain, break, break every, every chain, chain. Derek, break every chain. I'm excited this morning because we're going to baptize four people. Amen? You may not have come prepared, but there might be something you need to bury today. Come on, somebody. And I'm just telling you, I'm just making a suggestion that if there's something you're carrying that needs to be burying in the name of Jesus, why don't we do that today? Amen? I've got extra towels. I didn't bring it. I got towels. If you want to be baptized, right after communion, we're going to have a baptismal service. I've asked Derek if he'd lead our communion so that those who are being baptized can get prepared. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Come on, somebody. Amen? Amen?